listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Pharmacy Success Strategies. We've got this wonderful limited series that we're covering and discussing chapters from my Up Solutions book, Turning Teams into Heroes and Customers into Raving Fans. And we're talking to industry transformer pharmacy owners, going through the content of the chapter, really digging into how are they innovating? How are they creating results? How are they staying at the front of the game that they're still creating incredible value in the marketplace, but building a thriving, profitable business as well. So I'm delighted and really honored that my guest on this episode is Darden Heritage. Darden is a pharmacist, a very innovative pharmacist and pharmacy owner from Huntsville, Alabama. Darden had, they have seven pharmacies in either Huntsville or Madison County and one in Tennessee. And as you'll hear, as we go through this interview, Darden has a very incredibly alternative almost viewpoint of by paying attention to what the customers need, what are their challenges, what are issues patients are dealing with, living, you know, good quality lives, being healthy, what are their limitations and how can he create something that not only positions the pharmacies for success, but creates incredibly just to the next level of outcomes for patients. So Darden, thank you for being on episode two, chapter two, which is understanding your customers. Thank Thanks you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you, Patty. Uh, thank you for having me. This is a different experience for me. So we'll just see how this goes. <laughs> well, we'll have we'll have a little bit of fun and, and we're looking for, you know, just capturing some of the gold nuggets in your yes. approach to always being at the forefront. So let's start with Darden, a little bit of your background. What has been your focus or approach as you've grown your pharmacy business? What do you feel like sets you apart and what has you continue to grow and be excited about pharmacy? Well, you know, we all say this, that we're patient-centered, but we live it. I mean, it's just, it shows how we've been able to grow. We're in a metropolitan area. And to be thriving in an area that is loaded with the chains, there's, you know, pharmacies everywhere. And we've been growing. Started out with one pharmacy in uh, 23 years ago, and now it's grown to eight, uh, but seven in the Huntsville, Madison County area. And it's just because of our commitment to, to patients, not only in delivering prescriptions, and, but meeting their needs other ways. The original pharmacy that was started 23 years ago has been in a double-digit growth mode for a couple of years, which is unheard of for, for something that's that established. I mean, when I talk about double-digit growth, we're talking about top-line growth of 30 to 50% week over like the year before. I mean, wow. we're talking about real, real growth. And we have, we are very fortunate to have long, long, long standing employees. There's still a core that's still been here since uh, 2000. And some that, you know, have been, as we, as, as, as new stores open, they're still there. So that's a testament to the organization and really the focus on the patient. When we, I give the, the staff the autonomy to focus on the patient, it's all about that person that walks through the front door. And if you keep that in mind, then 
success follows that really your chapter two basically that's what you're you're hammering home is pay attention to who those people are when they walk in the front door that's our first gold nugget of the of the episode um and spot on so i want to talk a little bit more about your approach with focusing on the patient some of the programs you've developed but we'll come to how do you keep your team focused on your customers because i think that's also a key piece and you've You've just you've kind of touched on it that you've kept team members and that they're aware of that. Yes, uh, I'm also in the grocery business, and that's how it all started. Owning a grocery store and putting a pharmacy in it, and and I still don't claim to be a grocer. You know, I'm a, I'm a pharmacist by education, but immediately, immediately after opening the pharmacy inside the grocery store, I saw the synergistic combination between the two, how they feed off of each other. So. I saw a need to educate people on what they eat. So we started diabetes education. There's a need, of course, diabetes at that time. Well, now they talk about the past few years being an epidemic. Well, you could see it coming 20 years ago. So there was a need for diabetes education. And we started that. And, and people had never heard of pharmacies taking having a classroom. Of course, when we started, we were in a tent outside, but that was the start of, as I built pharmacies, I would put education centers in them and classrooms in them and because I saw this was a real need. And, you know, who ever heard of a pharmacy taking uh, the, the patients or the, the people uh, that attended these classes, take them through the stores and show them how to read labels. You know, they put that stuff on the side of the box, but nobody really knows what they're looking at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to educate the patients and, and the public on how to read labels and how to eat better. We have found out over the years that nutrition not only is essential in helping prevent diabetes or keep diabetes under control, but we've also see that it's essential in preventing other diseases. That's something that we started and still do. And of course, now it's more in vogue and everybody's doing it. But And I, you know, I love the approach because you were a leader because you were paying attention to what did your patients need? That's right. And it was different setting than a regular pharmacy grocery store or something because it's all owned by the same person so that you've got skin in the game on both sides. Mm -hmm. So there's more of a, a stimulant to go get involved in the grocery store with the patient because you're, you know, let's just face it, you're profiting on both sides and you're sure. keeping a patient, you're meeting their needs and you're developing uh, patients for life right there. Yes. I, and there, there's another gold nugget, patients for life, because you're really focused on the well-being of their life. That's right. And that also exposed me to some other things, you know, because the typical patient in a pharmacy is, is an elderly patient. You know, that was one of your customers that, you know, you know, the, the ones that take multiple medications and say, but also in a grocery environment, you have a younger clientele also because everybody may not take medications, but everybody eats. And so there is a chance, there is an opportunity right there to start cultivating the younger clientele, you know, just by having your pharmacy forefront in the store. So it's always on their mind and having merchandise or a selection that appeals to them. Also a decor. That was something I discovered that you wanted inviting for a younger customer. 
they're looking at different things than the the 60 year old so you have to study that and see what they see what they want emerging food trends especially the active population you know the people that are out exercising running every day you know you want healthy foods for them and so you're hitting several different several different segments sure and i love it because you know darden you certainly have you know at least two of your pharmacies are in grocery stores so you have that cross population but it's really true you know for the the other six of your stores they're more standalone and even with that you're still paying attention to you know the environment and who are you attracting in and and different you know generations are actually looking for a different experience so i think that's our next gold nugget for everyone is paying attention to when was the last time you looked around your pharmacy at the setup and the environment is it dated is it tired are your signs dated and tired I, you know what are you doing with your end caps are you creating an experience that's attracting the patients that you would like to come in that you're going to create great value for it's the key piece that we're talking about, you know, the whole uh, secret sauce, if you will, of positioning based on value. It's the, the core message of this chapter is your business is not what you sell. Unfortunately, with pharmacies, with what's happening with DIR fees and reimbursements and all the rest and the pressure on independent pharmacy in the States, they're almost becoming a loss leader, right? Yes. You have to shift that focus to who do you create the most value for? How are you communicate? Why choose your pharmacy and what value are you delivering them? So the focusing on who your customers are, what do they need? What do they want? How can you create value that they don't even know to ask for? The one thing I have stressed to my staff is to listen to them because mm -hmm. if you listen to them, they will tell you what they want. Darden, that's the next gold nugget. That's right. Listen. Right. Everybody thinks they're a listener, but listening is an art. Uh, a lot of new pharmacists are good communicators, but they're not good listeners. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody comes with you with a issue, they're looking for a solution, but you cannot give them that solution if you don't listen to them. And I've, and I've preached that in the stores, the pharmacists that are at these other stores that do that. It is amazing their growth. Well, so this is this is like this is part of your makeup, right? This is that's this, right. When you were first pharmacist, this is automatic for you. How do you instill this with your team? How do you develop this skill in your team? Because you can't be in all the different. That's right. That's right. Well, I go back to a talk I've had, and I don't pull out that talk very often, <laughs> except when you get a turnover some people and they just don't understand your 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 culture. I told them the 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 one word that this whole organization was was founded on and built on was the word care, not only for patients but for each other. The last time I I used I talked that speech, uh, my former director Mark he told me later he said that that caused him to look inside himself. You know, not everybody can get along at work, but if you care for the business and care for the patient, it's a common bond. Gold nugget. Yes. And I also really, I want to emphasize that even though this chapter is understanding your customers, understanding yes, your right. patients, it is, um, it's a whole wholeness. It's a it's right. 60. If, if you don't care about your team and your leaders, 
your leaders won't care about your team and your team won't care about your patients, regardless of what you preach. It is a circle. You know, patients, when they come in your pharmacy, can feel it. Mm -hmm. We all have bad days. But the patients want a good experience. And you can't give it to them if you carry something that happened outside work, inside work. Yeah, and it's great. Because, you know, we're having this conversation. And when this is being recorded, it's December 2023. And, of course, we're leading into a big DIR fee change. Yes, I'm seeing all of these independent pharmacies, 100-year-old community pharmacies closing the doors. And for me, it's just disheartening. Patients will never get the care that they get at an independent from a chain. That's right. You know, your staff is seeing that in the news. Your staff is seeing stores closing, this, this, this. They see, then they see the little, the DIR things on their emails and stuff that's talking about that. We started preparing for that almost two years ago, when when you know that the, the leadership of the organization talks about it every month, talks about how we are prepared, talks about how to keep this from being the DR hangover, is that's a very calming thing to your to your technicians and staff. When they know that you have put in some measures that are going to prepare you for such and that we're not, you know, it's going to be it's going to be painful. But we have taken steps to reduce the pain. And that gives your your staff a sense of security, mm-hmm. which they can, because also the public is reading those things too. Mm. And they have brought it up to our staff. And our staff is can answer confidently, yes, it's going to be rough, but we're going to still be here. So yeah. again, gold nugget here, and I'm going to put this in the framework of the care, that whole right. theme of care. You care about the team, the team cares about each other, and that creates the environment that your team cares about your patients. And this is how do you set your your team up for success in a changing, challenging market that people are reading this stuff. So again, keeping them in the loop. And and in some of the other chapters, we talk about a communication structure, um, but you implemented that years ago, that at least once a month, you're having a whole team meeting that you answer these questions and provide that confidence. Yes, yes, yes. So, so we have a meeting uh, tomorrow night, you know, for the last one of the year. And I, I know, Patty, you're surprised that I've been started this and we have maintained this for years. Let's talk about some of the innovative programs and products that you've launched with your team and with your patients. Okay. So, you know, we went back to diabetes education back in 2002. Then in as those years came went by, you know, putting classrooms in the stores. If, if the stores weren't big enough to have classrooms, immunization rooms, the patients, when they go in that room, they get immunized. It's a very one-on-one, discreet setting, and the patients open up. It's amazing. You're building just raving fans you just because they go tell people. I think this is another gold nugget. You talk about the experience created in an immunization room. That's right. You've got a great room designed. It's not just something that there's a poster up on the wall or there's peeling paint. That's right. No, no. It's, you it's, have to create an experience to have that intimate interaction. That's so right. Pay attention to what's the environment you're inviting. That's to right. Have. You know, I'm very big on uh, being a professional. My longtime multi-year technicians have uh, embraced that. They, I look at them as professionals also. They treat their technician 
not as a job, but as a profession. The technicians all wear scrubs. They wanted to. I was. I said that's a more professional look. The patients responded to that. We started doing that in 2001, I think. You know, and the technicians came to me and said, "Can we start doing this?" And I said, "By all means." And the patients just responded to that, like, "Whoa, this is different." We're not seeing somebody in there with t-shirt and jeans on we're seeing somebody that actually treats this as a profession but it's just that it's just that experience you're creating you know uh, i'm going to jump around just for a second everybody's always asked me about the use of technology and this is a nugget you can use this because yeah we have robots and yes we have uh bags that light up that that so we can find them quicker for the will call and and things like that and special placards that light up when they get checked out about what they, what the medication is and stuff. But I've never looked at uh, as all this technology is if it doesn't enhance the patient experience, I don't do it. Gold nugget. And that's how I look at automation. If it does not enhance the patient experience, it's not worth it. And leverage the team. That's right. Yeah. Free. Because if you free up the team to engage with the patient, you are enhancing the patient experience. Gold nugget. Yep, yep. So that's there. There you go. Them, Darden. I've always I've always used that, and 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 you know when I go to trade shows and they just I'm looking at automation. I tell them that. You know, how's this going to do that? You know, I I don't you know because some of that stuff is expensive. Actually, most of it is. So you know, and your return on investment you got to look at. But if it enhances the patient experience. There's a thing there. So let's go back to what we were talking about. I'm sorry for rambling, but um, but you got me going, so I'm sorry. Back in 2014, in Huntsville, Alabama, there's, uh, well, it's the Hudson Alpha Institute, which is the largest biogenetic engineering campus in the world, came to me asking me about pharmacogenomics. They, this was brand new back then. And they were interested to see how it could, would it ever be applicable in a retail setting? You know, it was one of the first crazy things I came up with that the whole team bought in on. Because, you know, the pharmacist was something new for them. We went through a lot of education on that, live and in, in books, and, and to get ready to, to roll that out. But it was something I saw as we could truly use our education. We all went to pharmacy school, truly use our education to personalize medication for you know, personalized. When you use it right, it's really personalized medication. And it was uh, reward, very rewarding to one, to get paid to counsel the patients, something that we've been doing for years and never got paid for. But, you know, through documentation, stuff we got paid and to get the buy-in that I got. And what cemented that that buy-in was one of the pharmacists that works for me, still does. She has twins and they were on some medications that they were, they weren't getting the results they wanted. And so she decided to get them tested. And sure enough, the medications that they were on because of their the changes in their metabolism through the cytochrome P450 system uh, showed that they were not good metabolizers of that medication, so they weren't getting the benefit. And so they took that to their physician who changed the medications, and there we go. They started getting the results that, A, the doctor was looking for, and B, the patients were looking for. 
we still, we're developing another innovative program in that, which is coming out. The people I'm working with, you know, IT people don't work in the speed I like to work at. So <laughs> I can, that's all I can say. It's something that we've been working on for a couple of years, a new theory, but it's very exciting and it's coming and I'm very excited about it. When we sit down with patients now, it's eye-opening for them to see what they're taking isn't really what they need to be taking. And they go back with their physicians because of us doing this all this year, all these years in the medical community, they trust us. Physicians have told us they see us as colleagues. Once again, because the patient is happy, they go back and tell their physician about us. Physicians are happy with us. So it's, that's another circle. That's another thing that you've added, we've added to where we've got the, the physicians just don't see us as a, just another retail pharmacy, you know, because actually when you get down to it, the physicians and their offices are your customers. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, why would you put them on hold for five, 10 minutes before you talk to them? You need to show them the same level of a professional respect that you ask for and they, they deserve and they, they ask for. If you do that, then they become fans of yours without stepping inside your store. And Huntsville is very is growing, obviously, because of its status as the largest city and 25 people a day move to Huntsville. Those people come in. They have to establish new relationships with, their, with physicians. One of the questions that I'm telling you ask, they ask is, what pharmacies do you recommend? You're getting referrals that you didn't pay for you just service them. One of the things I did last year, we hired our own rep to go in. I decided to see what it would be like to have just a, a rep that just went into physician's office. That was immediate, immediate ROI. You know, they were going in to physician's office saying, but it was last year when, when, uh, when the flu season was here last year, telling us we had the flu medic, telling the physicians we had the flu medications. I will say this. One physician's office said, we can't believe that. We've been looking for this everywhere. They were in a strip center with another pharmacy. And obviously they've been looking. So this was another way to bring in people. And then once you get them in there, it's your, you know, it's your team's responsibility to main, to hold on to them, give them a good experience, talk to them. Just don't treat them like a number. And that, that rep would go in and say to the physician's offices, to the nurses, to the doctors, whatever, and to the staff and say, is there anything we can do that we can do better? Is there things that we're doing that you do not like? Give me the good and the bad and all. I will go back and report it. I will fix it. If you need something for your office, call me. Instead of calling six or seven stores to see if we have it in stock, call me. I'll let you know which store has it. Powerful, powerful. Which means that your reps are set up as solution providers. That's right. We talk about their new business rules, you know, shift the focus from sales to solutions. How are you creating solutions for your customers? And as you said, Darden, those are your local providers as um, prescribers, as well as your customers and your team. That's right. Right. And then it's also shifting from transactions to relationships. And what I like is you've got, again, this is this holistic approach. You've got reps out there talking to physicians about what they're looking for, flu medication, 
But then they're also building on that. So how can we create greater value? What do you like? What do you not like? Let me let me be your, you know, your connection. And the team understands then when a patient is referred to them, how are they creating value? It's not even that complicated, is it? That's right. It's not complicated. I remember my rep on the Gulf Coast. He told me when he first started calling on physicians' offices down on the Gulf Coast, 360 miles away, he said he would walk into offices and they would say, we've heard about Star Pharmacy. That made his job easier. Oh, yes. Yeah. He said, we've heard. We've had patients that have moved here. You know, because people want to move to the beach when they retire. <laughs> you know, we've heard about this pharmacy. And, you know, so that made his job easier. And that that was a sense of pride. And I share that with the organization. Like, hey, you know, these people that you touch every day, you don't know who they are really deep down and how many people they're connected to. So treat everybody the same. Doesn't matter their income status or whatever. If everybody's treated the same... And I'm telling you, that's another thing, Patty, that uh, other patients see that. They see you taking the time to talk to somebody that's obviously doesn't have the education level that they may have or the income level that they may have or whatever, this, whatever. And they see that you spend the same amount of time with them as that you do with them. That speaks volumes. That is a key to success. And I think. I think that's also back to that's kind of like creating the context that your patients, every single person is important. One's not more important than that. That's right. Listen, it's important that you know who your best customers are. You're going to create your marketing message for your target audience. Who, Who values what you do? You like working with them and they're willing to pay you for it. You need to know who your best customers are. And I'll give you an example. A pharmacy owner that I worked with in California kept trying to launch a diabetes education program, and it just never went anywhere. But when she looked at who her best fit customers were, they were families with young children. Yes. So, you know, she had a fun waiting room, and there were toys, and they gave up balloons to kids. And and so they shifted their approach. And it's not that they didn't do diabetic counseling with patients that need it, but their their main audience, and so the messaging and 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 environment they created were families with, families with young children. And I'm going to bring in this is a Tony Robbins quote, and and Tony Robbins said, "You want to market narrowly and serve broadly." There you go. Yes. Know who your best fit and speak their language and what's the solution you provide them. But everyone who walks in is a valued patient. That's right. And, you know, make it part is part of our culture that, yes, you call people by name. Of course, your best best patients, you know them intimately by name and stuff. But it's, it's surprising when you when when we do that to somebody who hasn't been in the store, but once or twice and you call them by name, then they go, you knew my name. You actually saw me walking in the door and you already had my prescription ready for me to ring up. It makes them feel special. It makes them feel like they are a valued part of your business, which they are. So, you know, it's not fake. You are, you know, we need every one of you guys to survive. So that's part of it because, but that's part of what you said in your book. I think uh, be consistent. Yes. Treat everybody the same. I think we have time for one more of your innovative programs. Okay. All right. Well, All no, no. You do. I think I got, you got room for two more. For two more. We've got so many things. Well, we and then a few years ago, we started a strep flu protocol where somebody could actually come to in one of our stores, get, and we had a, a collaborative practice agreement with the physician 
uh, that somebody could come in and test for strep or flu or both, which some people did, and that's a cash transaction. And if they've tested positive, we had a uh, collaborative practice agreement where we could give them medication. So somebody could actually come into your pharmacy and 30 minutes later be walking out of a prescription. And you can't do that at urgent care. There's no way you'd ever do that at an emergency, emergency room. We didn't get any blowback from the medical community. In fact, we had several physicians coming in wanting to be tested themselves. That was, to me, uh, a validation that we are how we're looked at. So that was another thing. Then we had, you know, some opportunities during COVID where we were going to the major, major employers in this town going on site, immunizing folks, their employees. But the latest thing that we've done, we um, started our own insurance agency, and that is open to any technician that wants I don't think that should be staffed by pharmacists, but we opened our own insurance agency and it's a separate company. And a couple of the technicians, I came to them with this idea. It took a year to get going because of the testing and, and things, but where the technicians, which are, which are agents, they will sit down with the patient and go over their medications and look at Medicare plans not go over the medications as far as counseling, but it's going what what fits their plans and what's right for them. You would not believe the loyalty and the new patients that has brought in from word of mouth. It's just uh, because that's open to anybody. I mean, they don't, it's of course our existing patients, but what happens is the experience is so, so personal. Just one-on-one with them. They go back and they tell what the experience they had at one of the pharmacies to their friends who says, can I go there? Yes, you can go there. And then when they get in the room with the, um, you know, it's appointment-based model, it all needs to be. And uh, these uh, technicians are telling the patients what's best for them. And once again, it was founded on what's best for the patient. And you would not believe the testimonials the letters, the emails that these agents get later that they've come with me it has given them new purpose. It has defined you're, them. You're solving a huge danger. Like That's right. But have no idea how to pick a Part D plan. That's right. And, and you know, it's someone who actually can take the time. And I know a lot of pharmacies do this, come in and we'll go through your plan and their software. But this is at a whole different This is a whole different level. This is helping them with uh, Medicare supplements, not just not just the Part D, but Part B supplements, and which they do not get paid for. But there's they just help them navigate Medicare. So we get, we get a lot of people, physicians, in fact, and they're bringing will come in with their spouse saying, "We're about to turn sixty-five here." We could sit down and read through all this stuff and probably figure it out. But we hear you guys are the experts. That right there. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about practicing physicians mm-hmm. also. When they get out, when they what do you think they tell their patients? <laughs> a place about a place that cares. And um, so going back to that. So that, that's something that we're growing. Uh, that's open to any technician that wants to get involved. It is there's a lot of testing. 
a lot of education, but it's a mountain to climb. But once you get to that top of that mountain, there's a lot of blue sky. Because your technicians are earning money from doing this, right? That's right. Technicians know that there is there's room for advancement here, and that's why they they we've been able to hire some good technicians away from other pharmacies, mainly the chains, but uh, they, they see it as room for advancement. They can do something that's different, not just technician duties all day. So also, let me just step back. So we got into specialty pharmacy in 2016. When I started it, uh, I took a, a technician and made her the, the patient care coordinator. And then eventually she grew that company. She was a very, very good production tech. So it was it was hard to let her go, but this was really her calling, where she could take something and build it. She yes. treated it like it was hers. She eventually left because she just wanted to do help with her family's business. It grew from one person to eight patient care coordinators, nine counting her, and a full-time farm D sitting there counseling patients. And that's what it is now. So when she left, she left a uh, first part of last year. So in six years, that's phenomenal growth, but it was all centered on patient care. And those are patients that you don't, don't come in the store. And they would tell me, they would say, you talk to us like we're family. In fact, you call us more than our family does. <laughs> But it was just, and so then, so that was in 16. So I looked at this model as it was evolving as we, in that model, we helped the physicians. We partnered with the physicians to get the prior authorizations done. And so then I looked at that model and I said, I wonder if I could do this with just non-specialty medications, the medications that do need prior all the time, such as uh, your drugs for uh, opioid induced constipation, some of those newer insulins, some of the newer inhalers. Can we start? So we started a company that partners with pharmacies and physicians across the country and gets the PAs done for them right out of Huntsville. So that company really truly does. And Stacy, the technician, a technician who'd been here for years and years and years and gave her that opportunity. And uh, she has grown that company to where really she's doing her company and, and her staff, they're doing prior authorizations from New York State all the way to Hawaii. Truly, and it has grown by word of mouth only. Yes, we have a website and all that, but we don't grow it. So, you know, you talk about in your book, engaging all your team members in the process, right? I think there was something I read about that. And, you know, I, when did you give me this book? Well, it was published in January 2020. So that's right. So I've had it for a while. Yeah. So that um, I was trying to think the other day how long I had this book, but it is spot on then and spot on now. And I think it'll be spot on for years to come. But, you know, you engage the team. The team is wholly engaged. It's not just one or two people. You've got everybody engaged. And also, another thing I've told them, which we've done. So I'm through with all the innovative stuff. Go back. I know. Thank God. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, I think. I mean, there's more, but there's more. But you gave me, you gave me two, and I added. You gave me one, and I gave, I gave you three. So, uh, you, you mentioned in your book about going around and looking at your stores, and I engaged, I engaged the team. I engaged the team to do that, and they do that. 
they say, this needs to be over here. And why are we carrying this? And, you know, th this process needs to be better, that kind of thing. Everybody needs to look at their stores like, like they're a customer. I mean, when you go into another store, you're a customer and you're looking around at that. You know, if you go to, uh, see, I'm trying to think what stores I would go into. I don't go into the people from um, Arkansas. <laughs> but, uh, uh, and I don't go into Kroger's or anything like that. But if I did, I know what I'd be looking for. Yes. I'd be going looking for this. What do they do? And sometimes, you know, what are they doing better than me? Mm -hmm. How can I do that? Yeah, I mean, there's both ways. In fact, uh, in fact, we're, we're um, going to do some remodeling in the grocery part, and so we're looking at other stores. What are they doing, and what do they do well, and and so. And are you creating an environment so that you're attracting who you want, and that you're creating an experience that's consistent with the value? That's right. In fact, because you know, you, you talk to, you keep talking about value. Nothing has been shown more about the value you create than what the feedback I get from the, the insurance company. Because independents, for the most part, are not in preferred networks. Mm -hmm. So they have to pay a higher copay to come to you. They have told these girls, we don't care if we have to pay more. They see more, they see the value of what you offer, that you care about not only themselves, but their time. You don't make them wait three hours for a prescription. You do this, you take care of me in a timely manner because you recognize that their time is just as valuable as yours. And you talk to them. You don't treat them as a number. So that's their value that they get. Yes, they're paying $10 copay as opposed to five, but they see at least $5 or more value in that. Yeah, and if I think about it, there are so many businesses that I literally grant them a monopoly. I don't chop them around because they so... They take care of what I want, you know, where I buy my pet food, where I, you know, go clothes shopping, my pharmacy. I don't shop. In fact, I moved towns. I moved 25 minutes away to a smaller mm -hmm. village. I still go back to my pharmacy 25 minutes away. There are three pharmacies in the little village I'm in. But they, you know, I don't even go that often, but they still take care of me. Yes. And they know me. And, and so the, the value of having that relationship being solution-based, that professionalism, and I'm going to go back to the word you've used consistently, Darden, which is you care. That's right. It's simple. One, it's a four-letter word. It's a very powerful four-letter word. Mm -hmm. And it's not a dirty four-letter word. <laughs> and in order to set your, your patients the experience of that, your team also have to feel that they're cared about and they care about each other. That's right. It's always full circle. Circle Because they are your customer also. Yes. Yeah. Darden, thank you for the being on here, being able to share your words of wisdom, your gold nuggets, and some of the innovative programs that you've launched over the years and the impact, and your whole patient-centric approach to everything you've done that has built this phenomenal pharmacy business that you're not just impacting your local area, you're creating programs that are impacting the nation. So yes, kudos. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your words of wisdom with us. Uh, for everyone, that's the end of chapter two. Stay tuned for chapter three, where we're going to be talking about the wisdom and experience in your business and interviewing Jay Phipps with Phipps Pharmacy in Tennessee. 
So everyone, to your success, go create the value you create in your community. Oh, 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 oh,